Welcome to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Kieran Kettle as part of our series I'm promoting. We've already done four shows about the, the Muay Thai World Cup in Calgary, Canada that recently occurred back on November 30th. This is a recap of the show and also a little bit more about behind the scenes and what it's like promoting. As always, a little bit of news first. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, MattLucasBKK, or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast or leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. Also, I want to personally thank a few people, Vinny Scotto, Patrick Rivera, Dave Brooks, Sean Madden, Wendell Galano, and Chris Tran for helping me out with uh, my broken camera recently. I was able to produce a video on Wonder Girl Fairtex behind the scenes, and I'm looking to create another show later this month. Um, also, the camera helps me continue on with my ongoing portrait series, uh, which is on Instagram. If you haven't gotten a chance, definitely check it out. Uh, thanks, as always, to my sponsors, Nakamoy Legends, for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel with portions of the proceeds going back to the legends they celebrate. All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. Uh, check out their gear at www.nakmoylegends.com. Uh, that's N-A-K-M-U-A-Y-L-E-G-E-N-D-S. Uh, you can use On Fighting to get 15% off your order. Also, a plug for my book, The Boxer Soliloquy. It was written as a series of interconnected Muay Thai short stories. The fast-paced book was published in 2014 and still remains a strong read. I am planning on doing a On Fighting in Thailand ebook soon. I'm hoping to get it out in January. I'm finishing the last bit of it now. We'll be doing some revisions, so hopefully we will see that come out in sometime in the new year. Uh, thanks, as always, also especially to uh, Patrick R Rivera for helping me getting this show started. He is having a Muay Thai business summit uh, in San Diego late February or early March. Um, I highly encourage you to attend if you're listening to this. Um, if you aren't a member of uh, the Muay Thai business community, I suggest you do so. It's an international face group, Facebook group for business advice and growth. Uh, there's some real knowledgeable gems in the group. So a little bit about Kieran Kettle. He's been promoting primarily in the UK for a, a number of years moved to Canada about a year and a half ago, um, stayed for a while. He's a trainer of Elite Brayside and has really developed a lot of solid fighters, Scott McKenzie and Kieran, uh, and Kyle Messenger as well as a few others. 
and is really pushing the sport in North America. He recently had the Muay Thai World Cup on November 30th, which had a thrilling four-man tournament on it. Me and Kieran talk about it in this episode. It featured Lance Dixon, uh, the American, Kyle Messenger, and Cody Jerome, and Cody Lascar, who's at 156 pounds. He also had the WBC come out for a few title fights, which is a big deal. The WBC is really expanding uh, throughout the world through some real strong efforts of people uh, both in Thailand and abroad. So that was really interesting to see. Uh, Also, Kieran is looking to put on his second show already. I believe the date is April 11th. We'll talk about it in the show. So without further ado, the interview with Kieran Kettle. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kieran. I appreciate you taking your time out. Obviously, you had a very big and successful debut show for the Muay Thai World Cup. I believe it was about 2,300 people in attendance. Uh, and you Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 2,335 to be precise. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. You estimated or initially desired just 1,500, so you almost got... Yeah, it was, um, to be fair, like from the beginning, because I've been to uh, several events in Calgary, um, and they always have like maximum six, 700, I was actually happy with 1,000, but mm-hmm. I sort of guesstimate, guesstimated, because we did a big build-up of 1,500. Um, I would have been like delighted with 1500 and then with a thousand I would have been happy with and then um, I, I've noticed now especially the area I live is a lot of people do things last minute so we had an initial spike of ticket sales and it plateaued out as per and then um, literally 48 hours maybe three days before even 72 um, we just had a massive another spike of ticket sales and uh, obviously on the door sales as well um, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about. Um, and then when we got the figures in the day after, um, we did a ticket count. Um, you know, I was over the moon. So uh, it's a good uh, platform to go from. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think it turned out much uh, higher in terms of attendance than you originally projected? Well, I bought something different to um, to Calgary, maybe even Canada. Um, all the fighters... You know, did an Instagram takeover. They had a, a day, you know, taking over it. They all felt special. Um, I did a lot of promo videos. We did about 15 promo videos, you know, pushing the fighters. We did ticket links to every fighter. We'd get a percentage of ticket sales. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, really make sure the fighters felt that they were part of the sort of progression and the build-up. You know, and we, we released tickets three months before. So it's pretty early, um, and you know I made sure all the all the coaches and everyone like that around it got posters, fight posters, and you know so I wanted it to be a team effort. It's not just about you know like me or the promotion. Mm-hmm. It's about everyone that you know attends and obviously competes on it as well. Yeah, that's really great. I know a few Lance and uh, I think um, Kyle both talked about doing the Instagram takeover. Um, Lance talked a little bit about how he was shy at first, but then started getting used to doing more of the social media promotion for himself. 
Um, how do you think yeah. the fighters did with that? Yeah, do you know what? Um, you can really tell um, what the fighters are like sometimes by the Instagram takeovers. You know, a lot of them, each time I gave them the takeover, I gave them suggestions, you know, tag your sponsors, tag your coaches, tag your gyms, um, you know, do some little highlights of your training. But also important for me is, which is actually outside of fighting, show them the person you are. Mm-hmm. What you do for jobs sometimes. If you just go walk your dog, or you know, you go to you go out to the beach like Lancet, you know, and, and people want to see stuff like that. And they want to relate to you. Um, I think that's an important part of promotion. Mm-hmm. So I actually think the next takeovers that we do um, next year will actually be there'll be actually more stories, and you'll get to know them even more. Um, but yeah, they all did an amazing job, and it was it was good to sort of see an insight to their lives. And then um, you did some other production uh, style things for the event itself. Uh, you had some uh, native dancers uh, on the show yes. as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, um, for competing in shows myself and then, you know, doing commentary and then, you know, into promotions, I always, it, it's good to put really good fights on, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I also like people to attend and actually go to a show, an event. So... We had the native dancers, because um, don't forget we were on First Nation land, Sutina. Um, so the native dancers come out with a drum act as well, and they opened up the show with the national anthem. And, you know, she, we had an amazing um, lady from Germany. She was superb. And um, even in between the rounds, we made sure there was a live DJ playing, just to, just to sort of give it a nice ambient feel, you know, and make it an actual event where people want to attend and come back to it. What do you think were things that went particularly well with the event? Um, well, obviously the fights were great. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you can make good fights. It doesn't necessarily mean there will be a good fight. You know, you know that yourself, Matt. Mm-hmm. But um, all the fights were fairly matched. Um, and some of the amateurs actually were, you know, in themselves very professional. The way they fought and the way they conducted themselves. Um so really the highlight is obviously the fights and then obviously the opening to the show I was uh, was very happy with uh, because the whole crowd got behind it. We did like a difference. The amateur show, we lit up the arena so the whole place was lit up and then for the evening event, which is the professional side, we dimmed all the lights out, you know, really highlighted the ring as the centrepiece. So um, yeah, I was happy with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you find that there were any particular problems or hurdles with this first promotion? Um, well, we had a lot of problems with the actual production. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be fair, I think I might have said in a previous interview to you, is um, we, uh, I, I, I didn't expect, it's not going to be TV standards straight away. Mm-hmm. There's a whole new team around me. Um, there's a lot of, um, lot of strings, etc. attached to it. Um, so the, the production wasn't how I particularly wanted it, but mm-hmm. I can see that it will improve, and that's the important thing, and we've made the steps for the next show to improve. Um, so um, even down to sort of walkout graphics and tailor the tape and <clears throat> things like that, like round timer, that I might notice more than other people, but it's something that we're going to work on for the next one. So, yeah, that's something that we really need to do. Yeah, I assume some of that just comes from trial and error and just having the shows. I got a Absolutely. chance... I got a chance to watch a live stream, um, if, okay. and I liked it. I thought it went smooth. It was good. Um, I got to watch uh, Lance and 
uh, Kyle's uh, bout, which was really great. And then uh, Lance again in the final and Scott McKenzie's. Uh, Were there any particular fights that you uh, really enjoyed yourself? Well, I mean, obviously I was coached to Scott McKenzie and his fight was very dramatic, let's put it that way. Uh Edgy as he stuff. I mean, um, to be there live as well for that fight was something else because, you know, in my opinion, Scott was cruising. Yeah. And Philip, Philip out of nowhere pulled out this reverse elbow mm-hmm. that just literally put Scott on his ass basically. And his eyes went white for a split second and I was like, damn, like, you know, this has really turned round. Mm-hmm. And then Scott sort of went into survival mode, but, you know, he listened to the corner and hang, hang on. And then um, he had to get a bit of a talking to in between the rounds and then he came back. But the crowd noise for that was just unbelievable because... You know, to it just shows in fights, you know, one move change things, but you're never out trying to the final fail. So he, uh, yeah, he pulled it back, and you know, the crowd went absolutely ballistic for, for that fight. So uh, yeah, oh. that was the highlight. As a cornerman, what do you say to a fighter that's been very rocked and sort of the fight's been turned on its head like that? Well, I mean, each fighter and each person is very different, and they react differently. Some people like to be like told off some people like to just be you know told in a, a particular way some people just like to be relaxed some people like more informative words direct words but with Scott he came back and his eyes were looking down to the camera so I made sure I made eye contact with him and just said do you want to win this do you want to turn this round do you want that green belt do you want to make history mm-hmm. and his answers were yes 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 and I said well you now need to turn this round step it up let those knees go let those elbows go and, you know, you've got to go for it now, turn it around. And then he, you know, started looking me in the eye and his, his belief was there again. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just got to pick them up, you know, and just say, you're not out of this, you're still in it. Um, they've got to believe you as a, as a, as a coach, mm-hmm. uh, as a corner team. And obviously then, ultimately, they've got to believe in themselves to turn it around, which he did. So, um, yeah, good for him. Because he was technically the first uh, Canadian to win a WBC Canadian title. So he made history in himself. So yeah. it was good. I'm sure it was a very proud moment for him, especially with a big reversal in the fight. He, like you were saying, he was definitely cruising through it, and then you know got caught, yeah. got caught pretty bad, and then you oh, know yeah. came back. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean after that as well. I mean, Philip had a good uh, at least half a round to try and shock Scott. And to be fair, I thought at one point, you know, like if Philip switches on properly, he could have actually stopped Scott. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think uh, he went for the reverse elbow too much. I think once it landed once, he then tried it about three or four times more. Yeah. Um, where he may, may have, looking back, may have just stuck to his boxing and then finished Scott off, but, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. If he had, if Philip had been a little more calm and uh, collected about the knockdown, he would have been able to take out totally. Scott. Yeah. But totally. obviously good for Scott, you know, he's, very lucky, and also a lot of hard work, of course, goes into oh, something like that. Absolutely, you know, he, he put in every second and every hour, minute, you name it, yep. um, for that belt. And I don't know if you follow him on social media or not, but he actually had a, a mirror with uh, his, his targets, and one of them was WBC belt. Mm-hmm. And then he showed a picture after, yeah. of course, with him with the belt on, and then just saying, you know, dream achieved as such. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really good, really good thing. The other particularly exciting uh, 
event for me at least was the four-man tournament especially because it was winner takes all uh and three of those guys walked home with you know a little bit of disappointment obviously uh the winner uh cody lascar correct Cody Jerome, yeah, yeah. You know, he obviously pulled it off and you know got the three thousand dollars, so that's a big win for him. What did you particularly? What did you think of the four man tournament yourself? I love four man tournaments as a fighter. They're super hard. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't do the draw till the night before, so technically the tactics are just get yourself as fit and as strong as possible, and technically, you know, what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody got drew the night before. Um, I think looking back on it, like uh, Cody Jerome, really, he's only a young kid, 22, 23. He's mm-hmm. from a neighbouring uh, area from Lethbridge. Really nice gym there, family run gym. Um, and I think it unearthed a little bit of a star in him. I think. Um, with uh, the Muay Thai World Cup, then maybe we can leapfrog him into bigger fights. Mm-hmm. Um, from that as well, Lance Dixon, he showed that he's a slick boxer, good mover. Um, you know, he, he, especially in round two, really hurt Kyle. Yeah. And at one you know, I was tempted, if it was going to be like that, going into round three, I was tempted myself. Kyle being my, uh, one of my fighters, along with Francois, was, uh, we were thinking about throwing the towel in, because too many right hands were landing. Yeah, for sure. Um, to be honest with you. Um, so it was the right decision, and then of course you had uh, Cody Lasker and Cody Jerome the first fight. I think, well, I think what you find is like with Kyle, um, he's a better five-round fighter. Mm-hmm. And both times he's, I think he's fought two or three times on the three rounds he's actually lost. He's one of these guys that takes two rounds to to get going. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, with uh, Cody Lasker it's the same as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Cody Jerome, for example, he's got an engine. He's one of these guys that will throw like. A thousand punches, thousand kicks around. You know, one yeah. of those guys are really difficult to beat. He's strong and tough and hungry. Um, yeah, and he walked away, of course, with the three thousand dollars and um, the warrior headdress as well from Satina. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he was a happy man. But looking back at the four man, the good thing is, is you can make future matches from it. Yeah. So Lance will bring back in twenty twenty, not necessarily our next show. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll definitely bring him back to one of our shows next. Uh, Kyle and Cody uh, Lasker, we're going to put them to to fight each other. So those two guys will fight each other over five rounds. That will be uh, a great matchup. Yeah, and you know that that's the beauty of four man. You can go off into super fights afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I like tournaments, so I really do. As a promoter, I think as a fan, that they're, they're, they're amazing to watch. Um, our next event don't have a four man or any mm-hmm. Grand going on, but. The event after that, I'm planning one. Yeah. So just it's just about getting the numbers and people together. But yeah. well, we're thinking about an eight man. But an eight man can be risky if you yeah. know, one pulls out. You know, you need reserve fights. So yeah. We're thinking about that in 2020 anyway. That'd be very exciting. The thing about tournaments is they come with a built-in storyline. You know, they oh, you, you get to see the first match. Okay, who's going to win? And then who's going to go on to the final? You know, watching Lance in that final fight, I was like, oh, you know, if he just had a little more, he might have been able yep. to take home the win or, like, just a little sharper. If You know, it's always a, a question of, like, how much damage does the first fight do and how much does it take out of you? Uh, totally, I mean, it's a little bit of luck thrown in yeah. as well to it because you can have an absolute war in the first round. Actually, it'd be better in every department. 
for the Dubai fight next, but because you're injured, you have to fight very differently. Mm -hmm. um, I just think the final was, it was very close. I just think Jerome just did that bit more. Yeah. You know, just that bit more. That's all it was, you know. Um, but a quality final, good final, good clean final. Just uh, Cody just, just pushed it out. Push the pace a bit more than Lance. Mm -hmm. um, and you've also you did a lot of work with the WBC for this. Uh, yeah. Nash Keshwala came out to referee and officiate. What was working with the WBC like, and why was that an important relationship for you to start? I think it's important um, because it's not just about having Muay Thai World Cup as a, as a promotion. It's about having WBC, which is very recognised. But what is recognizable it's not just for obviously like inside the Muay Thai fans it's actually known in boxing as well you know everybody knows what WBC boxing belt is the green belt you know everyone talks about it so for the crossover into Muay Thai um, it's an easy option for me um, so speaking to Nash and then I got to speak to the head office in Bangkok it was quite a quick procedure I got the letter and obviously now I'm WBC representative for Canada um, it was only it was only a matter of time before we start, you know, in the belts and putting it on the promotion. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened is, not, I'm guilty of this myself, I won't lie. In a promotion that I used to run myself, which was the Muay Thai Grand Prix, which is, we started to do Muay Thai Grand Prix world titles. Mm -hmm. And technically, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if you look at like UFC, for example, they do their own belts, um, you know, things like that. But I think then it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of, there's too many world titles about, about you mm -hmm. know. I think we just have Muay Thai World Cup as a promotion, and we use WBC, and they have their own ranking systems. Um, I think that's a hell of a lot more fairer in scope for everybody, mm -hmm. um, and it's a, and it makes it more worthwhile, you know, for the fighters. Yeah. Because they all they all talked about that afterwards. Oh, I've that green strap. How can I fight with that green strap? Yeah. And, you know, since the since the event, of course, so many emails and messages. Uh, private messages, DMs, you name it. Um, you know, just talking about the event and wanting to fight on the next one. So it's good news. Yeah, what was uh, some of the major feedback from the show and event from uh, fighters and then also the audience? Um, just absolutely loving it because mm -hmm. it hasn't been an event like this in Calgary, Alberta for maybe five years. And I think people really respected the uh, production that went into it, you know, the build up to it. Um, real buzz around town afterwards. We, we had several meetings with uh, sponsors and, you know, uh, partners. Um, and then just from the fighters themselves, they were all like stoked like, to be on it. Um, and even still now, they're still, you know, putting up their fight shorts that they had from Muay Thai Addicts and their gloves and, you know, um, and just, they just want the next one. And, and you know what it is? the end of the day no matter what you know money and all the fame whatever the fighters just want to fight the world yeah. wants to anyway they just want to fight so they're just happy now that there's a promotion that's going on quality shows and the quality matchups and you've already uh, scheduled a few uh, bouts for next year correct um literally the whole card is done already oh really oh that's uh, great oh yeah I've got uh, 16 fights mm -hmm. uh, I have 14 of those already confirmed and agreed mm -hmm. um, so contracts are out for that are we going to release um, the first bout next week and then we're going to release tickets uh, on Boxing Day mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, we're we're, we're prepped and ready. And over the next sort of six weeks, uh, we're going to hit um, all the channels quite heavy mm-hmm. uh, through the end of December, going into January, of course. Just pushing it. Yeah, you talked about that in our initial podcast. How important it is to sort of promote the next event as soon as you have this first event. What what date? Yeah, absolutely. I was doing deals literally. I kid you not. Even while the, uh, the event was going on, I was talking <laughs> to coaches and managers during the event, saying, "Listen, the next event, I'd like to have this guy on. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you make this happen? You know." And then obviously following the event, just making sure those emails and contracts are sent out. So. Um, I think that's how it has to be done and also um, the coaches are starting to realise this is what I'm doing because usually they're you know six weeks before they said we're fine I'm doing it three four months before mm-hmm. um, and I think once everyone sort of gets on that that lane mm-hmm. they'll understand it some coaches I've, I've sent messages to it's just because it's how, how it's been I've asked like for particular fighters um for the next event and they're like well that's like four months away and i'm like yeah but i want to i want to match it i want to put the poster out i want to you know push them on social media i want to make them a bit of a star in their area and their Mm -hmm. gym you know and you know all the things we talked about yeah so uh yeah so i'm just sort of changing the mindset of a few people uh and everyone's coming around to it everyone's seeing the results at the end of the day so it's good for everyone gyms included you know even local gyms not just my gym um, mm-hmm. other gyms as well you know they're going to get busier from it so yeah it works around for everyone and uh you had to wear a lot of hats during this show uh you promoted <laughs> and also you cornered a bit what was uh yeah. working in the corner like for your show and you've done it before in the uk i assume yeah. correct i've done it in uk i've done it so many times in uk it's, it's nothing uh-huh. different to me you know like i was setting up the show the night before uh, we had a team of us setting up, and then in the morning, got there, I was putting chairs out, making sure, all of that, doing security checks, making sure um, security, EMS, doctors, all these sort of things where everyone was here, um, and then of course, wrapping hands, and then doing corners, <laughs> and then running up, running up to the director, making sure some videos get played, and running back. Mm-hmm. So that's just normal, it's no, no different. Mm-hmm. You, you don't feel extra stressed about it, or any particular no. new emotions? No, like I said, it's pretty new. I even like, um, aside from fighting, I've actually come up with musical music events back, which you'd be surprised, mm-hmm. in the UK before. Um, we got to do multiple amounts of things and talk to different people um, while sometimes running a bar or, or a restaurant like we had at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've just got to be, sometimes got to dip your hand in everything, but mm-hmm. make sure you've got a team around you that can also do those parts as well so everybody works together. Do you feel like you hit any unique problems with this show in uh, particular? Um, not particularly. All it is, like I said, it's brand new. There are a few. We had, we had a big team with us, and we brought on a um, big team of other people as well to do everything. So there, there were some sort of uh, tiny issues, like I said, just with the production, mm-hmm. which we'll sort out. We're going to add to that team um, just to make it to the next level. And then uh, I think we just need to add a few more staff on the day just to make sure uh, certain things are a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the show itself started on time and finished at a good time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy with that. Besides uh, adding a little more in terms of staffing, uh, did you learn anything else from doing this show? Um, a lot more with, like, we 
talked about in a previous podcast about commissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a little bit more about them and what they do. It's not, you know, it's not just about overseeing my work. Um, they do the little things as well, just in the corners, making sure that you know um, the corner are well behaved, making sure you know the gloves are properly signed off and your hand wraps are properly signed off. Do you know what it's like? You know, you know yourself, mate, in Thailand and the UK as well. Not always gloves are signed off. Yeah. You know? um, so over here they are. So even little things like that, it's important to make a show um, safe first of all, mm-hmm. but also on a level board so everybody's everybody's following the same rules. So yeah, I mean, by the commission, but they were good. They were good as well. So. Uh, just out of curiosity, what is a hand wrapping uh, like in for the WBC and I guess and or Canada? Is it uh, a knuckle or a finger to behind the knuckles or? Yes. Okay. Yes. So basically, you know, you do the bandage and you can do a padding on the on the uh, knuckles, but no tape. You know, so it's a two finger uh-huh. on the knuckle, basically, uh, as, a, as a measurement or or a big finger, depending on what your hand size. But um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, and then you just tape. Know, the wrist and thumb and making sure that they behind the knuckles nicely um, taped because that needs to be protected and then um, making sure you've got good bandage so you don't just have two or three layers on the knuckle mm-hmm. um, but as well Paddy obviously in the UK and Thailand they build up a, uh, a tape around the knuckles yeah. and they um, they you know build it up and, you know obviously then get bandage and then sometimes we apply more tape and whatever <laughs> from there so yeah it's just it, it's just learning, learning it. But to be fair, I think like ten years ago when I first went to uh, America and had a fire over there, I had to cut off the tape, uh, cut off the wraps, and do them again. So I just learned the hard way that way. <laughs> so ever since then, I know how to do this. It, so it's easy enough. Yeah, um, I guess it's uh, it just prevents a bit more of the damage and sort of cast effect from uh, happening with the fighters. Yeah, and I think also it basically means that everybody has the same hand wrap. Yeah. Take, mm-hmm. You know, um, like again, with building up these hand wraps, you get in Europe and, and Thailand, some people are just better at it than others, let's put it that way. Yeah. So they have an extreme amount of sort of tape around the, t- around the knuckles and obviously it hardens up. Mm-hmm. So um, at least with this one, is the bandages. Everyone has the same bandage because that's what the commission do, make sure everyone has the same bandage, the same tape. And. Um, Give or take, the hand wraps are pretty much all the same, depending on how much support you put around the around the thumb and uh, the wrist. But give or take, they're the same. Mm-hmm. And what do you think the fighters themselves learned from uh, the event? Uh, I think they believe in my vision mm-hmm. now, because you know, saying it and doing it are two different things. Yeah. So I was obviously talking about it, saying this is what we're going to do. Um, this is not just a one-off event; got longevity to it. We're going to we're going to develop into tournaments. We're going to obviously it's called World Cup, so I like to bring other countries in, make uh, you know many countries fight each other and build a point system up. You know, go through there, but obviously that's years down the line. And I think they're starting to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a good catwalk and had all the lights and the lasers, they had good music, and you know they had good fights and a good crowd. And I think they realise now, you know, you don't need to fight. Anymore small town halls anymore there's, there's a potential now to go on to an arena a Titan arena and mm-hmm. thousands of fans so I think they start they're seeing it now so you know everybody saw it, but all the fires sent me messages back you know which is uh, I'm not saying it's unheard of but in the amount of literally every fire and every coach sent messages got a good job thank you you know when's the next one and how can we do this and 
you know, I can see it now that what you're doing is. And, uh, you know, they can see good things from it. So, yeah, it's good. And uh, when exactly is the next one? Well, originally it was April the 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're going to change it to March the 28th. And the reason being is uh, several things. One, um, it's actually Easter on April the 11th. Uh-huh. So maybe, I don't know too much, but there's a potential that people go away for family weekends. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Second of all, bringing in um, fighters around Easter time um, can be a bit tricky to book yeah. flights. Mm-hmm. Um, and three also um on the, the land that we're at which is sutina um they have certain events going on as well mm. and we wanted to fit in into a schedule where uh you know people from first nation could also come and view the event mm-hmm. so we made sure that it all coincides with those three things just to make the event happen so yeah march the 28th is our next event well uh i'm sure i'm excited to see it happen and i'm sure a lot of other people are too Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I can't wait. Like I said, I made some really good uh, matchups, good domestic matchups. Um, again, we're going to bring over uh, an American crew. So, um, yeah, we're having a little bit of an international feel to it. And again, we're just going to build up to the event after that and so forth. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about? No, you know what? Just thank you to the sponsors. We had so yeah. many support it was crazy you know from Muay Thai League to, to the bespoke gloves um, they really fully supported us um, we had Sarsi Gravel the First Nation of course which was Sutina they backed us as well heavily um, King Tate you know the, the hand wrapping the, the company in the UK Amir Sebastic um, we had uh, Whistle Construction we had uh, Home Developments as well which is a, a guy from the gym Francois uh, he owns a gym. He's uh, his dad as well. So we had loads of people back us. WBC, of course, you know they pushed us from social media, and I've seen Nash coming over, and things like that. So yes, so many people to thank. Uh, but we could it'd be about seventy hour podcast. <laughs> I'll be thankful for some. Yeah, I, I probably missed a few there, but um, you get the point. Yeah. You know, we had so much people to thank for it. It's not just me. It's the team around us. We had Zachary, of course, as a partner. Um, Blake as well, Mackay and Tina and uh, Megan as well, behind the scenes doing so much stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't see. Um, so, yeah, thank you to all of them. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and uh, taking your time out to talk about it. It's been really interesting seeing the buildup of the show. You know, you initially talking about what you were going to do, the fighters talking about it, Nash talking about the officiating, and then, you know, the event itself. Yeah, thank you very much, Matt, for putting uh, on the podcast. It's been great. Hopefully, uh, we do some more coming up to the next show. Great. So that concludes the interview with Kieran Kettle. I thought it was really great. Some great information, especially about some of the promotional aspects. Just really getting on the horse, uh, repeatedly promoting not taking a break at all in the promotion. You can see that with other big promotions as well, like one championship. Once their first show is done, they're already on the next one. Same thing with other promotions like the UFC. You really need to build momentum. Um, It was also interesting seeing the WBC play a part in the role uh, in the show. 
Um, so that was the fifth show in like five weeks. So I've been banging them out. Uh, and I'm going to take a little bit of a break and go back to the two-week schedule. Uh, the next series I will deal will be on federation building. So I'm hoping to talk to someone from the WBC, the WMO, and IFMA. So we'll see what happens with that. I think the next episode should come out in about two weeks. Um, so wrapping things up, as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting me. Uh, you've been listening to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.